I want to talk today about love without boundaries. I believe sometimes we limit God, his love, we limit the ability of our ability to love. And I really feel that this is such an important message. It just happens to fall on Mother's Day, but this applies to not just mothers, it applies to every one of us. And, you know, if the last time we had that huge snowstorm, when a lot of you weren't able to make it, I shared about the three reformations, the first of all, the Protestant Reformation, and how that restored grace, the grace of God, and the Lord Jesus Christ became central again. Then I talked about Azusa Street. In fact, it was the weekend that they were celebrating 110 years of the Azusa Street Revival, and how that, what that brought back was the power of God, the supernatural ability of the Holy Spirit, and uh, healing, and gifts of the Spirit, and many things, and it restored the place of the Holy Spirit. I believe we're on the brink of the greatest reformation ever, and it's an agape, a love revival, where love is going to be the very foundation. You know, so often Christians are, are really portrayed as being judgmental and, and you know, and, and oftentimes they are, you know, and uh, the sad part is that God is not a judgmental God. He's a God that loves so deeply. And as he pours his love into our hearts, according to Romans 5, 5, we're able to love. And there's a prophetic word. In fact, it's the very last words in your Old Testament. It's from Malachi. And uh, I know some of you thought it was Malachi, but there are no Italian prophets in the Bible, unfortunately. I'm part Italian. I was very sad when I heard how it was pronounced. Anyway, it says this. Malachi 4, 5, and 6 says, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you. And he's talking about the spirit of the prophet Elijah to come to you before the great and dreadful day when the Lord comes. In other words, at the very end. And he will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. And I just want to tell you, I believe we're, we're in a time right now where we desperately need that reconciliation within families, within communities. And I believe we're, we're starting to see it. We're starting to see it in our community. I believe God's doing incredible things. And I believe you're going to see more and more of this. But the thing is, we've got to be positioned in the right way. We've got to know how to walk in that love. Uh, you know, we really need to know how to receive God's love, how to experience God's love beyond boundaries, and then how to express that. You know, there were three sons and they had actually gone out into the business world and done extremely well. And they decided their mother was really old and getting to the point where they didn't know how much longer she was going to be on the earth. And so they decided they'd bless her. And the first son decided that he would buy her a brand new home. And on Mother's Day, he presented her with a key and took her to that brand new home. Huge, beautiful home. The second son decided, and the first son was named Marvin, the second son uh, was named Melvin, and Melvin decided what he would do is he would buy her a brand new Mercedes and even hire a driver. And so that's what he did on Mother's Day. He gave her that, that, that beautiful, beautiful car with the driver. And then the third son says, well, you know what? I'm going to outdo both my brothers. My mother loves the Word of God, but unfortunately her eyes are dim and she can't really read. So what he did was he went to this monastery and there was a brown parrot that had been trained for 10 years by 20 monks where the parrot had memorized the entire New Testament. All the mother would have to do would just mention the book, 
the chapter and the verse and the parrot would actually give her the word of God. He was so excited. So he delivered that to his mother on Mother's Day as well. Well, it was several days later that the mother actually sent letters to each of her sons. To the oldest son, to Marvin, she said, Marvin, thank you for giving me this beautiful house, but to be honest with you, I live in one room, and then I have to clean the rest of the house. To Milton, I mean, to Melvin, the middle son, she said, Melvin, thank you so much for the beautiful Mercedes. She said, but to be honest with you, you know what, I don't really like to get out of the house. I'm too old to travel. And really, the, the, show, the, the, the driver you gave me is very rude. Then to the third son, his name was Milton. She said, Milton, you sure know a mother's heart. You are so wonderful to give the incredible gift that you gave. She said, that chicken was so delicious. <laughs> Sometimes our best intentions may go awry, you know. <laughs> anyway, uh, I want to talk about uh, the boundaries. And uh, when, do, when do we see boundaries go up? You know, what are the boundaries? I'm going to talk about three primary boundaries that we have to overcome. And I believe these boundaries are very real in our lives. And for us to be able to receive and experience God's incredible love, and for us to be able to demonstrate that and, and really relate to others in that way, I believe there's three things we have to overcome. And one time, well, the first thing is, we need to experience his love when we screw up. Say, screw up. <laughs> you know, uh, you're in church, it's okay to say screw up, because guess what? Is there anybody here that hasn't screwed up? Thank you. Okay, I'm glad we're on the same page. Because, you know, without even trying, we mess up. I don't know why it is, but it's just, it just comes naturally. Now, I don't try to mess up. I really try to do my best. I try not to mess up. But you know what? I don't know about you, but sometimes I just do. I just mess up. But here's what happens. I don't know about you, but when I mess up, my first tendency is to beat myself up, to come under condemnation, to feel like, oh, no, I can't believe it. I, I can't believe that I've done this. Or I'll also tend to isolate. I'll get away. I just don't want to be around people because I messed up. And here, here's what I want to say. I want you to know that God doesn't want you to fall under condemnation. The word says there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And not only does he not want you to fall under condemnation, he doesn't want you to isolate. Now there's two individuals in the Bible that really messed up. And the first one was Judas. Say Judas. Now Judas, unfortunately, <laughs> he betrayed Jesus. He kissed Jesus on the cheek and then he turned him over to those that were actually crucified, would crucify him. And so sadly, so sadly, that in the midst of this, Judas realized what he'd done, but it was too late. At least he thought it was. And it said he was so grieved that he took the money that he was given to turn over Jesus, and he tried to get them to take it back. They wouldn't, and he threw it at them. And then he went out, and he hung himself. Judas was not able to come under, he was not able to come out from under the condemnation. Obviously, he didn't go back to the other disciples who might have helped to, helped to restore him. He certainly didn't come to the Lord. And it's a very, very sad ending to a story because he was unable to forgive himself. 
There's another guy in scripture. His name was Peter. Peter really messed up too, didn't he? How did he mess up? Well, the way he messed up was Jesus told him he was going to deny. He, he said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Peter said, there's no way. All the other disciples, they may leave you, but I'll never, never leave you. I'll never deny you. Well, sure enough, what happened? Three times. Three times. Not once, not twice, not, but three times. This little, little maiden said to him, are you one of those? He goes, no, no. And then the third time, he actually cussed. I mean, he really blew it. And Jesus had told him, and then the rooster crowed. Remember when Jesus said the rooster crowed? Now, something happened dramatic to Peter. At that time, I imagine Peter felt so terrible. Could you imagine you've walked with Jesus for three and a half years, and then you, you, you make a mistake like this that Jesus even warned you about? Can you imagine how your heart felt? And then what he does is, instead of isolating, he doesn't isolate himself, and he goes out, and it says in Luke twenty two sixty six that he wept bitterly. That word in the Greek means that he wept at the very depths of his soul. He cried out. He went through this incredible, incredible repentance, but he didn't stay in that place of condemnation. Somehow, he came out of it. Now, it's really amazing. One of the things that the, the women at the tomb said, they said, go tell Peter and, and the disciples that he is risen. You know, it's amazing. Actually, in, in Luke chapter 24, verses 10 through 12, uh, it says, it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men. So they didn't believe it. Now, see, the disciples were so bummed out that they couldn't hear the truth that Jesus had risen, except Here's an amazing thing. Look at the next verse. This is in Luke chapter 24, verse 12. And it says this, however, Peter jumped up and ran to the tomb. Now that means Peter was with the disciples. He hadn't isolated himself. He was with them. He jumps up. He runs to the tomb. Stooping, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering what had happened. Isn't it amazing how Peter actually, he was able to come out from under the condemnation. He came to the rest of his disciples, even though he'd really messed up. And I just want to tell you, that's the way we have to handle it, guys. And ladies, we have to be able to realize when we mess up, we've got to run to him. And then we've got to run to, to our brothers and sisters because we definitely, desperately need that restoration. You know, Adam and Eve in the garden, when they messed up, what did they do? They hid. They isolated right away. We can't do that. You know, thank God for Peter that shows us how, you know, how important it is to be able to forgive yourself and to be able to move on. Now, it's interesting, on the day of Pentecost, now if I was God, I probably would pick John or James or one of the other disciples, but God picked G Peter to preach on the day of Pentecost, even though he had blown it so badly. Folks, I just want to say to you today, if you have made a mistake, maybe it was years ago, maybe it was recently, God is a God who forgives and loves so deeply and he wants you to receive that forgiveness. He wants you to receive that love. He doesn't want you to stay under condemnation. I remember several years ago, I ministered down in Canyon City at High Security Prison. 
I got to minister to some of the men there. I remember talking to this one man, and he said in a fit of anger he had killed someone. And he said how it just destroyed him. He was serving a life sentence. And he said he just lost it in this moment. The anger took over. He said since then he'd become a Christian. And he said he struggled with being able to forgive himself. But he was finally able to receive the forgiveness. And then he told me something that I'll never forget. He said, you know, since I was able to receive God's forgiveness, I've been able to minister. I lead a Bible study here. I've been able to lead several inmates to Christ. We have a very close community here. He said, you know what? Life is okay. I'd rather be out. But he said right here, God had a plan for my life. But had I not forgiven myself and just continued to beat up myself, I would still be miserable. But to be honest with you, I have a tremendous joy. And you know, I never forgot that because this man learned a lesson, even though there were tremendous consequences to his actions, and oftentimes there's consequences to our actions, he was finally able to make an impact, to make a difference because he was able to forgive himself and not isolate himself. So that's number one. Number two is when circumstances of life go bad. Have any of you ever had the circumstances in your life go badly? Uh, Three people. Okay, that's right. No, I know we all have. We've all had very difficult circumstances in our life. And when that happens, there's a tendency to feel like, God, where are you? I mean, I'm your child. You said I'm the apple of your eye. You told me how much you love me, but all hell has broken loose in my life. I mean, things are really bad right now. I talk, I've talked to actually three people this week who have gone through some incredible difficult circumstances in their life. Uh, I sat down with a guy on Wednesday night after the service. We talked for quite a while. I couldn't believe it. His life was going so well. Uh, he was living in Hawaii. Everything was going great. He was married, everything. His marriage collapsed. His business collapsed. His health collapsed. Uh, I, I just couldn't believe the struggles he'd gone through. He'd had a falling out with his, with his son. And, when he, and man, my heart just broke for this guy. You know, and I wanted to be able to fix it. But what the only thing I could say was, you know what? I know that God's with you. I know that he's going to walk with you through this. I know that no matter how bad things seem, and no matter how much it almost seems as though God's forsaken you, he hasn't. Do you remember what happened to Job? I mean, it seemed like everything went wrong for Job. But Job, his his wife said, why don't you just curse God and just move on? And Job said, no, I won't do that. He stayed faithful. And I want you to know in those times when times are so hard and difficult, when struggles are going on, that's the time you got to hold on to God. You know, it's amazing. Actually, if you, if, you, if you look at the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul's life was great until he had an encounter with Jesus. <laughs> you know, lots of times we think, well, once Jesus comes into our life, everything's going to be great. Man, we're going to have a great life from then on. And the truth is we do, and, and we're headed to heaven. We spend eternity with him, and so we do have a great life. But sometimes along the way, there's some major bumps in the road. Amen. I know I'm talking to, uh, you know, I'm preaching to the choir, I know. And I've had some major bumps in my life. And, uh, but the Apostle Paul had some incredible difficult things happen to him. Now, before that, he was honored and he was looked upon as the greatest scholar and, and the greatest one that would stop this Christian cult that had arisen. But listen to this, in 2 Corinthians, in fact, if you have your Bibles, just turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 
I want to read, and I'm going to read from the New King James, but uh, actually it says here, and, and I want you to see how Paul is just expressing very honestly what he's going through. He says, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of the trouble which came to us in Asia. We were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Now that, really, that term means they despaired of life. He really didn't want to live. He just didn't want to go on in life. And I want you to know, sometimes when things really come in on you, there's a tendency to not want to live. But I want you to know God wants you to live. He wants you to make a difference on this earth. And the struggle you're going through, God is going to use to help other people that are going through struggles. And so here's what he says, though. He doesn't stop there. He says, yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. In other words, we didn't even want to live. It was so bad. But here's the point I want you to catch here. That we should not trust in ourselves. He learns a lesson that we shouldn't trust in ourselves. See, when you're going through those struggles and when, when life collapses in on you, you have to realize that there's a strength that you have through Jesus Christ that goes beyond your ability to stand in your own power, in your own ability to, to make it right. There's an ability that comes from him. And that's exactly what, what the Apostle Paul says. And he says that we should not trust in ourselves, but in who? In God. In who? In God. That we need to trust in God. Now, I know that's not easy. It's not easy to just trust in God when, when it's so difficult in your life. It's not easy. But that's what he wants you to do. He's calling you to do that. That's what the Apostle Paul did. It's almost like when everything else collapses, God doesn't. He's still there. In fact, it's interesting. He goes on to say, he says God, and he doesn't just say in God. You can put that back up again, that scripture. But he says, in God, and I want you to say it with me. I want you to read it with me on three. One, two, three. Who raises the dead? This is not a wimpy God. This is a God who raises the dead. So if he raises the dead, he can help me in my situation that seems overwhelming and almost deathly. God who raises the dead, I know that if I look to him, he's going to help me. Now, I don't know the time frame. It may not be my time frame. I don't know the exact way it's going to happen, but I do know that I'm going to hold on to him. I'm going to trust him no matter what. You know, there's a time in Israel's history where it seemed like God had forsaken them. Their economy was totally shot socially, economically. I mean, they were in a terrible, terrible place. The enemy had come in and taken over in many areas of their society, and, 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 and life was so hard. And it's interesting that, and if you want to turn to Isaiah 49, we'll have it up on the screen, but Isaiah 49, verse 15, it's a time where the Israelites are crying out and say, God has forsaken us. God has, he's not with us. And, and we don't see him because things are so bad. <clears throat> and this is what Isaiah, the prophet, says. He goes, never can a mother forget her nursing child? Now, this is a perfect scripture for Mother's Day. Can a mother forget her nursing child? <laughs> you know what? It's interesting. I'm sure a newborn who wakes their mother up at 
2 a.m. in the morning and is hungry and screaming, I know they'd like to forget the child, but they can't. <laughs> they can't, and they're driven by this love for that child. And, and they, they pull themselves up out of bed and, and nurse that child, even when they're exhausted. And, and it says, uh, <clears throat> can she feel no love for her child she has born? And the answer is, absolutely not. There's that natural love. And then he goes on to say, but even if it were possible that she could, which, you know, it wouldn't happen, but even if it were possible, I, God, Isaiah, God is speaking through Isaiah, I would not forget you. See, I have written your name on the palms of my hand. Do you know that your names are written on the palms of God's hand? That's how much he loves you. That's how much he cares for you. That's how much he's with you. You know, my mother was an amazing person. I think I appreciate her more even now after she's gone to be with the Lord than I did when I was just there. I think I took her for granted. But my mother loved. When I went off the deep end, she continued to love me. She loved me unconditionally. You know, my mother really struggled. Uh, she was very sick, almost died at 15 as a child. She had a lot of, lot of struggles with, with illness, and, but she never complained. She never complained about pain. She never complained, even though, and, and you know, she died in her 60s at an early age, and yet she went through so many struggles, but she never complained. She always loved. She always was there, and, and I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful that I had a mom who somehow just taught me the importance of love in a way that I, you know, just, she just imparted it to me without me really understanding it. And, and, and uh, mom, uh, I love you, but I can't keep on that sport coat while I'm preaching. Anyway, uh, I just wanted you to know that I, I, we all care. I, you know, we all care for our mothers. And sometimes our mother, our, my mom wasn't perfect. I mean, she smoked too much. She drank too much. She, you know, just did a lot of things, you know. But my mom was so great. And so <laughs> I got to tell you, folks, uh, it's so important that we honor those, that we love those who have poured out their lives for us. The last one I want to say is... Uh, when you're offended, when you're hurt, when you're betrayed, somehow you've got to love beyond boundaries. Now, I want to talk about this very clearly because, and carefully because there are times where we have to set boundaries, but we still have to love beyond those boundaries. What do I mean by that? I mean if, let's say, a, a, a wife is in a, a very abusive relationship where her husband is literally physically beating her up and her life is hanging in the balance at times. Now, that's not a healthy situation. Those boundaries need to be set. However, if that wife continues to hold on to bitterness and doesn't let the love of God come, then that's not good. There has to be forgiveness, but there has to be boundaries. Possibly that means leaving that abusive relationship. And so I just want to say that when we love beyond boundaries, it doesn't mean that we don't ever have any boundaries. Boundaries can be healthy, but we have to love beyond those boundaries. It's so important. You know, there's a lot of examples I could give you uh, from Scripture. Um, I think probably... You know, one of, the, one of the most powerful ones, I think, is the apostle, I mean the apostle, uh, is King David. You know, David really was a man of incredible love. In fact, the scripture says he was a man after God's own heart. 
God is love. David expressed that heart. In Psalm 41, verses 9 and 10, again, you can turn there if you'd like in your Bibles. Psalm 41, verses 9 and 10, there's a scripture that David is actually talking about the pain that he went through. You know, David went through a lot of pain, but one of the greatest struggles he went through was when his son, Absalom, turned against him. He loved his son, Absalom. And yet his son turned against him and actually tried to rise up a rebellion against David to take over the kingdom. I don't think we can understand the betrayal and the pain to the depths that David felt. And David talks about this in Psalm 41, verses 9 and 10. Even my best friend, the one I trusted completely, the one who shared my food, has turned against me. Lord, have mercy on me. In other words, Lord, please help me. This pain is so excruciating. I need your mercy. I need your love. I need your help. And then he says something very powerful. Make me well again so I can pay them back. Now, I believe we oftentimes take this as revenge, but I don't believe it is. In fact, when you look at the Hebrew real carefully, I don't believe this was revenge. Because when we get well, we don't want revenge. I believe that David was crying out, help me, help me so that you'll make me well again. You'll heal this incredible hurt in my heart so that I can show that love and not be so pained. You know, in Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul talks about how we need to overcome evil with good. And the way we do that is, he says, by heaping coals of fire on our enemy. Now, a lot of times that sounds like revenge. But really, at that time, because fire was so precious, they would carry coals from one fire to a person whose fire had gone out, and they would carry it on a brazier on their head. So when you actually gave somebody whose fire had gone out, when you actually gave them hot coals for them to carry in that brazier, you were blessing them. You see, when you're hurt, when you're wounded, when you're betrayed, it's not right. And let's be honest, it's extremely painful. But it's only his love that goes without boundaries. Look at Jesus hanging on the cross. He's hanging on the cross in extreme, excruciating physical and emotional pain. And he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's love that goes far beyond human ability and boundaries. I want you to know that's the kind of love God's calling us to. And in this great move of God that I believe we're on the brink of, we're called to love beyond those boundaries. We have opportunities on Wednesday night where people are coming in from all over the community who are struggling. Don't just come in and eat. And it's not our purpose just to feed them and help them in other, other ways they might need help. Sit down with those people. Listen to their heart. Sometimes listening to someone is the greatest act of love you can do. They don't expect you to necessarily fix their situation. But when you can listen to somebody, when they feel listened to, that touches their heart in an incredible way. I want to call us as a body
to love beyond boundaries, to love beyond the ways that we've been able to, to love beyond ways that are with our own ability and power, to love with his love, to be able to forgive with his forgiveness, to be able to really make a difference in this world. Because Jesus told his disciples right before he went to the cross, the way they are going to know you're my disciples, the way they're going to know you're my followers, the way they're going to know that you really honor me is by the love you have one for the other. I want you to see a a video right now of a young lady who went through tremendous struggles. She found out she had cancer and her husband left her and she became a single parent overnight. I want you to hear her story of how she dealt with this. What's going on? You don't have it? Okay, well, while you're getting it, <laughs> it's a very powerful story. I don't want you to, it's only a two and a half minute video, but I want to pray for you. Why don't you bow your heads? Oh, you got it. Okay, good. <laughs> I was going to have us pray, they get it. So anyway, God answered the prayer before we prayed. <laughs> Hi, my name is Stephanie Barrett, and this is my transformation story. I've been coming to The Rock for about two and a half years. I recently was divorced from a marriage of 12 years, and shortly after, I was diagnosed with breast cancer, stage two. I thought my life was over. I was devastated to become a single mom, but I had to figure out a way to be a single mom for my two children and make it through everything. I got very, very sick from chemo. My liver started to fail and my kidneys started to fail as I was continuously sick from taking chemo. I lost all of my hair. I had very long hair that made me feel like a woman, like a girl and I had to shave that all off to own cancer. I started coming to Awaken when it first started. It was the most eye-opening experience I've ever had in my life, where I never thought I could hear or feel the signs of the Lord, and I learned to grow deeper within. Here in Awaken, one night, Lana found me in the crowd of people and said she feels a strong power of healing and called me up to the front where four powerful women prayed over me. During that time frame, I had my eyes closed. I couldn't hear a word they were saying. All I could feel is the warmth from my head to my toes and I saw this bright light with Jesus's face right in front of me. It was the most empowering, uplifting moment I've ever had in my life. It felt unreal. It felt something I've never had before. After that, I went to the doctor the very next day where they took my blood. It was clear, it was clean. My liver was functioning 100%, as were my kidneys. Everything looked normal. And my doctor asked me, 
what happened? Something must be off. He sent it down to get further checking and I said, I went to church and I feel like I've been healed. From that time forward, I never lost any more hair. I had three more weeks of chemo and I felt more strength than I've ever felt in my life. I wasn't sick from chemo. I was just a better mom, a better person, and I knew that my encounter with God changed my life. My kids saw it, I saw it, and everyone else around me can feel and see the shining of the Lord through me. And I am thankful for The Rock and everyone here for supporting me through a very dark time in my life. And now I get to share my life with everyone else. Thank you.